1: I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in a cold and snowy New York, and here's your top five at five futures. They're hot again as your money keeps powering higher. We'll talk about why, show you some big names leading the rally, just how good the small-cap run really has been. It is your morning RBI. But, hey forget stocks. It's all about Bitcoin for many. The crypto now crossing 22,000 amid its powerhouse run. In D.C., Congress closing in on a stimulus plan. They have just one day left to get a deal done. Google being hit by yet another antitrust lawsuit. And can get out those shovels, maybe get the hot cocoa ready. The Northeast digging out after its first major winter storm in a few years. It is Thursday, December 17th this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Good to be back with you. Thanks for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. Let us get a check now on the markets and your money to start this Thursday. Futures, they are higher across the board. We are seeing gains for the Dow. An implied open up 132. It was a mixed day for stocks yesterday. NASDAQ up, Dow down. But maybe here's a stat to wake you up on this Thursday. 30 different S&P 500 stocks hitting a new year-long all-time or multi-year high on Wednesday, including many restaurants, names like Chipotle, Yum! Brands, as well as retailers like Tapestry, formerly known as Coach. Meantime, you might have heard about Bitcoin powering to new highs itself. Over 22,000 now, given the overnight gains. Now, if you go all the way back to their lockdown lows in March, Bitcoin was as low as forty-two hundred. It's at 22,765 right now. So let's see, carry the one. Bitcoin is up about 415% since it bottomed out back in March. And some other cryptos, names like an Ether, have done even better as well. Bitcoin up $1,400 right now at 22,784. All right, let's go now around the world. Stocks in Asia finishing mostly higher on the heels of the Fed policy announcement yesterday. The South Korean KOSPI the loan index to fall, albeit slightly tuned to the early trade in Europe, because we've got some big headlines there. By the way, we are seeing a mixed trade there, but that is not the big story. The big story is one that came out just literally moments ago. French President Emmanuel Macron has tested positive for COVID-19. Officials there confirm And Macron will self-isolate and continue to work and carry out his duties remotely. Again, this news crossing in the last 15 minutes or so will continue to follow this as the story develops throughout the day. All right, now to the other big headlines on this Thursday morning, including just how close Congress may be to getting a new relief bill passed. Seema Modi is here now with that and much more. Good morning, Seema.
2: Good morning, Brian. Congress appears on the verge of reaching an agreement on a roughly $900 billion virus relief bill after a month-long stalemate. Republican and Democrat leaders are increasingly signaling they're ready to sign off on the main elements of the deal, including direct payment to Americans, unemployment benefits, small business aid, and COVID vaccine distribution funds. Leaders say just the fine details remain. If a deal is not reached by tomorrow, the government will shut down on Saturday and 12 million people will lose unemployment benefits the day after Christmas. Meantime, Moderna's virus vaccine could receive emergency use authorization as early as today when the FDA meets on the matter. Meanwhile, the FDA says extra doses of Pfizer's vaccine, well, it can be used after reports of vials being thrown away by pharmacists due to labeling confusion. According to Stat News, pharmacists were throwing away one in every six doses of the first round of treatments because of the issue. And in technology, we are watching Google facing a new antitrust lawsuit. Ten states, led by Texas, have filed a legal action claiming Google unlawfully acquired, attempted to acquire, or maintained a monopoly in several steps of the online ad marketplace. The complaint also claims Google and Facebook harmed competition when Facebook announced in 2017 plans to compete with Google in the ad tech space before Google allegedly cut a deal to stop the competition. A Google spokesperson told CBC that the lawsuit's claim of an unlawful au- auction rigging agreement with Facebook is not accurate. Facebook did not immediately respond to a request for comment, but it's certainly one we are watching closely. For now, Brian, back to you.
1: All right, yeah, thank you. No matter what the headlines are, SEMA, the stocks don't seem to go down. It doesn't matter how many lawsuits you throw at them. SEMA, we'll see in a few minutes. Thank you very much. All right, right now, let's get back to the markets and your money futures. They are higher again this morning. Look at that. Dow futures up 130 points right now, adding to what's been an incredible few months for, well, everything. I mean, Bitcoin has doubled. Small caps up 30%. The NASDAQ up 15%. Oil up 20%. All in just 90 days. So nothing can stop this powerhouse run, Right. Well, let's welcome in Robert Teeter, head of investment policy and strategy at Silvercrest Asset Management. Robert, good to see you. I mean, I obviously am saying that tongue in cheek. You and I have been doing this job too long to know that when you see everything powering higher, everybody getting bullish, Bitcoin's up $1,500 overnight as retail investors rush in. How much
3: caution should we have right now? That's right. Well, there's been quite a powerful rally. And one of the big signposts for that has been that small caps have caught up to large caps on the year. And so it is time to start looking ahead a little bit and saying, you know, what's the next leg of this journey? Uh, For us, that means a focus on valuation and starting to pay attention to where valuation is here, uh, where it might go going forward. And we look at that really in two ways. The first is on the financial side, asset allocation-wise. Um, You look at where uh, yields are right now on corporate bonds. You look at where the risk-free rate is on the 10-year dividend yields on the S&P. It seems that valuations are pretty well supported. Uh, But when you go out into the other side of things in valuation sentiment, uh, you look at things like put-call ratio, bull bear surveys. uh, That makes it look like a lot of bullishness is already priced into this market. Uh, Nonetheless, we think there's a little room to go. You have things like Michigan Consumer uh, that hasn't fully Mm -hmm. recovered. That was at 90 the other day. It could go up, you know, it was 120 in the past. Uh, San Francisco Fed looks at sentiment through an AI lens, looking at uh, news media sentiment. That's clawed its way back to neutral, but it's far from positive. So we think that there's a little room to go, but you have to be a bit more selective here.
1: Okay, well, you you don't sound too concerned, but if I were to look at valuations, for the most part, you could say they are there high by most traditional measures historically. But then I look at interest rates, and I think – Well, with rates still below 1% on the 10-year and Fed funds rate basically at zero and probably not moving higher for the next number of years, I could make the argument, I guess you could too as well, that when you look at it with an
3: interest rate lens on, we might still have a little gas in the tank. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I agree with that view. You're absolutely right. Valuations are up towards the very top end of historical averages. Uh, you could probably squeeze a little more juice out of this with some of the improvement in sentiment, uh, some of the excitement that we get once we start to see COVID cases come down. Uh, maybe we get a little little bit of relief from some of the other bricks in the wall of worry uh, falling out. But you have to be cautious here and, and have to be, be selective as well. You like financials? Uh, we do. We think that you want to look to the parts of the market where the economy is going to be helping you. Uh, in a normalizing economy, which we think we're going to see next year, uh, stronger economic growth. As you said, Fed staying out of the picture on the short end, maybe the long end drifts a bit higher, a steeper yield curve traditionally better for financials. And we think you're going to see a, a, a jobs recovery. Uh, we think you're going to see that sentiment numbers pick up a bit once the COVID situation gets better. Consumers got some pent up demand. Uh, we think consumer discretionary looks good here. And then lastly, uh, we think there's going to be a big focus on putting all those folks back to work. There's a lot of unemployment out there. Policy focus, job number one is probably going to be jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think that means whether it's infrastructure, onshoring, or otherwise, uh, that helps uh, companies in the industrial space. So we think there's some good yeah, opportunities. Yeah, I can tell you, Robert, I was, I,
1: was just, I was just on the road for a couple of days down in Texas right. and Louisiana following the vaccines. And, and once you get west of New Jersey and New York, you know, it's a very different world. The optimism is palpable out there, and people are getting on with it. Robert Teeter, Silvercrest, have a good day and a good weekend. Robert, thank you very much. Thank you. A lot of help, saw a lot of help wanted signs on the road, folks, and a lot of trucks on those roads. All right, so much more to do when we come back. The latest on that massive winter storm that is still hammering parts of the Northeast, leaving a mess in its wake. Oil hovering at nine-month highs, optimism beginning to come back. But your next guest says the market may be getting ahead of itself just a bit. And an exclusive look at the stocks that are seeing the most buying by their own executives. It is our insider buying segment. Yeah, we're throwing it at you a day early because hey, 3-day weekend. We're back when World Wide Exchange returns.
4: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
1: All right, welcome back. Well, while many of us are still able to work from home, look at that, there are millions more who simply cannot and for those in the northeast, New York City, look at Times Square. It is going to be a very slow, a very snowy, and maybe a little dangerous ride to work today. It's heavy snow and strong winds hammer the region. NBC News' is Jay Gray is live in New York City's Central Park. And, Jay, I'm not going to ask if it's cold because I know it's really cold. And, you know, I was thinking, <laughs> when's the last time we had a snowstorm? We actually, I think it's been, a, I think, a couple years since we've actually had right. this much snow on the ground.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Two years since we've seen major snow here in New York, and we've already surpassed last year's entire snow total just in the last uh, 10 hours or so. Central Park covered in white right now, and the snow continuing to fall. We were here last night, uh, really, since about sundown it's been snowing and continuing, shifting a bit to some sleet here. It's a mess, and it's a mess really from the mid-Atlantic, through the east coast seventy million people are more dealing with this winter storm not only talking about snow you've got ice you've got a wintry mix causing some real problems multi-car pile-ups across that region one of those turning deadly in pennsylvania unfortunately two people died in a massive crash there and then you've also got the issue of business I, I i talked to some hardware stores yesterday and they saw a bit of a boost they're selling sleds obviously shovels ice melt things like that but otherwise across the board this is another gut punch for so many businesses that have been dealing with the pandemic now this look at restaurants that were really essentially only take out or uh you know dine out they're losing that for the next couple of days just just a rough go brian
1: yeah, you can sit outside if it's 45 degrees, a jacket on, they got the heaters going. I don't know where they get all the propane, but right. they seem to the be getting it. But now this and a lot of schools actually are calling even schools that are remote are calling snow days in this area, trying to give the kids a sense of normalcy. But now, of course, they're, they're not going to be doing anything all day. I'm crying on the inside.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And the idea is get out and, and play in the snow. But uh, it's just a, a tough go all the way around. But it's 2020. What would you expect?
1: <laughs> Godzilla coming up behind you. Maybe uh, a couple of giant ants crawling out of the ground there to <laughs> conquer the planet. <laughs> Who knows? I, gotta, I Jay, I got to say this. Okay, I got to say this to you. Just as, and I mean this totally because I like to be on the road, too. I don't know how you do it, brother. You're in Tucson on a Tuesday, Walla Walla on a Wednesday, Toledo <laughs> on a Thursday. There's, there, I think, are you a triplet? Are there three of you, and you just pop up?
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm just cheap and easy, Brian. That's <laughs>
1: And you got, your, you got your own plane or a really fast car? Jay Gray, you move around. I, I am in awe, sir. Thank you very much. Stay warm. <laughs> Go get in the sack <laughs> truck. All right, Jay, thank you very much. All right. All right, Jay's a little punchy this morning. I like it. All right, still on deck. Moderna set to join Pfizer in the push to get the vaccines out to the masses. We will speak with the vaccine expert about the differences are between Pfizer, Moderna, and hopefully the oncoming AstraZeneca vaccine. Which one should you take? Which one should she take? We'll find out.
5: Today's big number, 24 million. That's how many Switch console units Nintendo expects to sell in the year period between the start of the pandemic and March 2021. Nintendo Switch
0: has topped both Xbox and PlayStation consoles in sales for the last 24 months straight.
2: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
7: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash ActiveCash.
1: Alright, welcome back. Well, would you believe that really the only major market out there that is hotter than the cryptos like Bitcoin has actually been crude oil. That's right. Oil prices are up 21% just this quarter. You've got inventories down. Demand is seen growing and OPEC somehow managing to hold it all together. But Your next guest says don't get too comfortable out there. Things certainly can change very quickly. We're joined now by Chris Midgley. He is head of global head of analytics at S&P Global Platts. Chris, good to have you back on. I mean, oil has been hot. Do you think the recent move up in oil prices is justified by the numbers and the forecast that you've seen and that you have?
5: No is the simple answer to that Brian and great to be with you again the reality is we still think the worst is, uh, is still to come um i'm here in london uh, feeling festive but the lockdown uh, has been reimposed and we're going to see more lockdowns so we do see still some challenges to demand as we go into well, through this winter period uh, and into early 2021 you're right opec is showing some constraint but they are bringing barrels on slowly as of January, 500,000 barrels a day more. They want to keep prices, I think, down more in the 45 to 50 range rather than where the more optimistic prices are currently trading. So I think there are some challenges not only on demand, but also keeping that supply constrained, but not allowing the prices to get too strong, which would overstimulate U.S. shale production.
1: Of course it would. And by the way, we used to track pretty closely those Friday rig count numbers. And oh, my goodness, after months and quarters of going down, down, down from 900 to 250 operating wells in the United States, they're starting to tick back up. Do you think those those heavily indebted U.S. shale producers, you know, they're all ultimately it's every man and every well for itself.
5: Well, it's certainly been that way for a long time. But as you know, Brian, this uh, year has been a a bit about consolidation. It's bigger players. Bigger players are going to show stronger capital discipline. They're going to manage their capital. They're not going to overreact. And although we've seen these increases in rigs, Um, we're still about 100 rigs away from being at a level where we could sustain production at today's levels. So we do see that shale will decline through the first half of next year before recovering again in the second half. And we think the shale producers will be a little bit more uh, careful around how fast they return. We've seen permitting in federal lands has dropped uh, now since the election results. You know, we saw a larger growth in permitting in federal lands. We don't think the Biden administration is going to stop fracking immediately. um, But certainly we are seeing now a little bit more cautious play there. So be careful not to overread too much into those uh, weekly rig increases.
1: Yeah, that's that's a fair point. And and by the way, without getting political, I mean, if the Democrats ever have their eye on Texas, which we know that they do, going after fracking may not be the smartest political play. I'm just going to throw that out there. Now, I had tweeted out yesterday because I was just in Texas and Louisiana the last couple of days, Chris, driving around. My plane, the airports were packed. My flights were sold out. There's cars. Once you get out of the New York area, people are probably the same with London. People are moving around a lot more than we are. But I saw you thought that refiners may struggle. You don't think that refiners could have a big year next year as, as spreads tighten and margins hopefully come back up?
5: Well, we're still sitting on a huge overhang of distillates. Although you talked about stocks tightening uh, earlier on, the amount of gas oil that's uh, still around, and usually as you go into winter, you expect gas oil stocks to be drawing down. They still remain high, and it's the one part of the uh, barrel which still remains weak and in strong contango, incentivizing people to store rather than to draw the oil out. So that continues Mm -hmm. to put pressure on products. We've seen driving is lower. We saw that over Thanksgiving. We saw much lower driving. Uh, We're likely to see the same over the festive period across the world where people are not going to be able to travel to see their loved ones. They're going to be staying at home. They're going to be heating their houses. They're going to be using gas and electricity to heat their houses and cook their uh, their dinners in their smaller groups. But they're not going to be driving. So refiners are going to continue to struggle. And it's not only uh, the lack of demand uh, that's uh, causing a problem. It's also biofuels is mm-hmm. starting to grow in its penetration. And we have what we call more natural gas liquids. Those are the light liquids that come from gas production, which are used to make petrochemicals, which is also growing strongly at four um, percent. And that yep. substitutes the need for refining. So refining continued to be under pressure, certainly next year.
1: Chris Midgley, S&P Global Platts, there with a rather sober look there at the industry and in what has been red hot a couple of weeks. Chris, we appreciate it. Best to you and yours. Merry happy Christmas, as you guys say in the UK. And I do hope that we all bust out soon. Chris, thank you very much.
8: Thank all you. right. Bye.
1: All right, on deck, we have got a little Thursday morning quiz for you. Can you name the hottest metal in all the land? No, not like the Pantera or Motley Crue kind of metal. Actual metal, like what we're showing you. Is it gold? Is it platinum? Is it silver? What is it? It's up 40% this year in the answer ahead. Good morning, futures pointing to a higher open as Congress appears closer to a $900 billion COVID relief bill. Huge moves in Bitcoin, the digital currency above 21,000, above 22,000, closing in on 23,000 all overnight. Plus, digging out the East Coast, waking up to big piles of snow, high winds as a very serious storm takes aim at our region. It is Thursday, December 17th, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CBC. Oh, Welcome or welcome back and good Thursday morning here. That weather really nasty, by the way. I stepped outside before the show and, yeah, I just said, let's go back to bed. All right. Let us start your Thursday morning not with stocks, because that is just so 2019, right? But with digital money and metal money, I want you to look at Bitcoin right now. That is not a year-long chart. I mean, it is, but I'm talking about the current price. Bitcoin adding to Teslas in value, shares of Tesla in value. Bitcoin is up $1,145 right now, by the way. That is, that is not a week-long move. That is the current price, $22,500. We only broke $20,000 a couple of days ago. We broke $21,000 overnight. And as soon as it did, boom, breaking $22,000. Bitcoin up more than 25% in a month. from its March lows. I saw that my friend Guggenheim, Scott Minard, in an interview yesterday, said he thought Bitcoin could go to $400,000. Wow. All right, there's your crypto. By the way, old school money, call it like pirate money, is also soaring. And here's the answer to your quiz before the break. It is silver, silver, not gold. That's right, powering up, up more than 40%. This year, silver up another 1% right now. And oh yeah, only stocks, heard about those? Stock futures, they're also higher right now. Dow futures up 140. got metals up, Bitcoin up, stocks up, bonds up, oils up, real estate's up. What could go wrong? Now to a special Thursday insider buying segment today because tomorrow is a day of rest, at least for me. And this segment is where we look back on the week and find out what executives bought the most of their own stocks with their own money. All the data coming with our thanks to InsiderScore.com. So let's count you down five to one. Number five, a refiner. We just talked about him. Delec, a board member, buying 186000 worth, his first buy since joining the board. P.S. I mentioned on Twitter yesterday I thought refiners could have a good year if their margins did indeed come back up. You heard Chris said he disagreed. Maybe you should put a little wager there. Stock number four, Allegheny Tech, CFO of the steel company, buying $210,000 worth there. Stock number three is Cody, Anna von Bayern. That's right, Princess Anna of Bavaria, literally, who's also the chief corporate affairs officer at Cody, buying $232,000 worth. Second most insider buying, Enterprise Financial Services, Board member, who's also, by the way, a member of the San Francisco Fed, buying $307,000 worth of that Missouri-based bank. And the most insider buying this week, cell phone tower builder Crown Castle, chairman, buying $330,000 worth there, his second buy of just this quarter. So, no huge buys this week, but those are the names, a refiner, steel company, cosmetics maker, a bank and a cell phone tower company. By the way, this will be your final insider buying segment of the year. You got the holidays coming up, buying slows down. And by the way, also, five of the stocks that we've shown you the last couple of months of this segment have doubled so far this year. Well, now to the big developing story out of D.C. Congress nearing a $900 billion COVID relief bill. Alon Moy joining us now with where we stand, literally in the 11th, maybe 12th hour negotiations right now. Ella. Well,
4: Brian, I'll give you another timetable. 48 hours. There are less than 48 hours until the government shuts down, and Congress is making headway on that comprehensive spending bill and a COVID relief package, but there is still no deal yet. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is now warning lawmakers that they might have to stay here over the weekend in order to finish work on these two bills. And one of the top Democrats in the House, Steny Hoyer, said that if this takes another three or four days, they'll take the time that is necessary. And that's because there are some really tough trade-offs here. We know that this bill will be worth about $900 billion in coronavirus relief. Uh, There will not be state and local aid. There will not be liability protections. But lawmakers are still hashing out the details of stimulus checks versus unemployment benefits. The direct checks are expected to be about $600 a person, but some lawmakers are pushing for a bigger number.
0: I think it should be $1,200. I think we should do at least what we did in the CARES Act. I mean, listen, working families, they need help. They need support. And listen, remember, when this started out, they were going to get zero, zero.
4: Now to pay for those checks, the expanded unemployment benefits that were supposed to last through the spring may have to end a little bit sooner.
5: Let me tell you, I, I, I
0: hope we don't see this deal uh, slowed down or stopped, debate the exact number. Uh, I think any help we can give to American families we should give them.
4: Now, Brian, if they do not get this done by midnight tomorrow, Congress will have to pass another stopgap funding measure just to keep the lights on in Washington until they can finish working. Back to you.
1: Well, well how likely would that be, that stopgap measure alone.
4: Right now, it's really unclear. It depends on how quickly they can finish up the agreement so that All the staff members can start writing the legislative text and uh, and sort of going through the process on Capitol Hill. Already, it is clear that they are going to need consent from every single senator in order to speed up this process. And if they can get that, there is still a chance that they can get this done by Friday night. But otherwise, we're looking at another weekend in Washington.
1: Alon Moy in D.C., but we are inching closer. Alon, you've been there every step of the way and we appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, of course, while well, your other huge story of the day, of the week, perhaps of the year, is the progress of getting COVID vaccines to Americans. Today, an FDA advisory committee is set to vote on whether to recommend authorization for emergency use of Moderna's vaccine. If approved by the full FDA, the vaccine could begin shipping this weekend, kind of following the same timetable and logistics as Pfizer's this week. Let's bring in now vaccine researcher Padmini Pillai, immunoengineer at MIT. Uh, Padmini, thank you very much. Uh, We know there's a lot of similarities between Pfizer and Vaxerna's MNRA technology and their vaccine. A lot of differences in terms of temperature and how they are manipulated in the cold. How would you decide or define the biggest difference between those two?
9: Yeah. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. So as you mentioned, the good news is that the Moderna and Pfizer mRNA vaccines are very similar and that they're both effective and safe. The efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine is 95 percent. The Moderna vaccine is at 94.5 percent. But on Tuesday, Moderna provided some additional info that their vaccine may reduce asymptomatic infections. And there isn't enough data to say for sure yet. But when participants with no symptoms were swabbed between the first and second dose as part of surveillance testing, there were more positive cases in the placebo group than in the group that had received just one dose of the vaccine. So it may be that the vaccine not only protects against disease, but against uh, infection. And Pfizer is predicted to have data on something similar in January.
1: Well, that's that's amazing. I mean, and it's we followed the vaccines the last couple of days down in Louisiana and Texas, Padminian. Of course, keeping the Pfizer vaccine at negative 80, negative 90 degrees Celsius was absolutely critical. Moderna doesn't need those kind of ultra cold temperatures. Why not? What's the difference between those two when it comes to temperatures?
9: Yeah, that's right. So both vaccines use messenger RNA or mRNA to provide instructions for our cells to make that spike protein of the virus, which our bodies then mount an immune response against. Both companies use lipid nanoparticles to stabilize that mRNA and help it get into cells, but each company has their own proprietary lipid nanoparticle formulation made with slightly different ingredients. And this leads to that difference in the stability of the vaccines and therefore the storage temperatures required.
1: I'm not going to pretend I understood half of that, Padmini, but I do understand I can look at a refrigerator and freezer and say, "Okay, that's the temperature there. And, you know, you think about the difference. We say, "Okay, who cares? It matters a lot. I mean, keeping something at negative 80 degrees Celsius. Trust me, I put my hand in the freezer for two seconds. It was very cold. It's going to be easier, I think, every step of the way for the Moderna vaccine.
9: Yeah. And well, so the Pfizer vaccine ships with larger a larger number of doses. Um, and so with, that ad, with those added temperature requirements, it's likely that more densely populated areas and facilities with those specialized freezers will acquire the Pfizer vaccine, while the Moderna vaccine could be used in less densely populated areas that may not have this ultra-cold storage. But even hospitals that are in less populated areas are investing in those cold freezers, so they won't miss out on any vaccines.
1: Yeah, well, they're made by Thermo Fisher. We saw some of them, but they cost $20,000 and up, by the way. Very quickly, uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine, assuming it is approved, and and I don't want you to go too far in the weeds, Padmini. I understand it's a more traditional vaccine. A lot of insiders I've talked to have said, sort of whisper to me, they would rather use that one because it's sort of a, a, a more established vaccine technology, if you will. How do you define the difference between AstraZeneca and Moderna Pfizer's mRNA?
9: So the AstraZeneca vaccine is, it uses a viral vector, and that is, that is more traditional. But thus far, all the data that we've seen with both the Moderna vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine are great in terms of safety and efficacy. And for me, I'm going to take whatever vaccine is offered to me uh, as soon as it's offered to me. <laughs>
1: Trust me. I was down there with him, Padmini. I'm like, well, if there's one that's going in the garbage, I got a left arm right here. But sadly, <laughs> you and I, I think, are way down. On, we are way down on that list. But appreciate you bringing some clarity to a key story there, Padmini Palai. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for day. having me.
9: Bye.
1: All right. Take care. Coming up, a major winter storm hitting the East Coast today. If you're in this area, you, you just look out your window. We'll give you the latest on the snowfall amounts from NBC meteorologists and our friend, Bill Karens. Coming up next. First- as we had to break some of your other headlines on this busy Thursday, the FDA giving the okay to Abbott Labs' rapid COVID test for at-home use. That's a big deal. The $25 nasal swab does require a doctor's prescription, but you can get your answer in about 15 minutes. Imagine that. Having Grandma come for Christmas takes the test. Everybody's clean. There you go. All right. HBO Max will be available on Roku devices beginning today. This comes as Warner Media prepares to simultaneously release its 2021 films on the streaming service and in theaters. And dog supplies startup Barkbox is reportedly going public in what else? A SPAC deal. Wall Street Journal says the transaction could be announced as soon as today. Look at those dogs. Dow futures up 130, Bitcoin up 1,800. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. And if you are just waking up and you know the dog needs to go out, well, look at that. Bundle up. That is Times Square. A couple brave souls out there. Maybe Kernan's down there somewhere. We got crushed by snow and wind here in the Northeast. They're all laughing at us in Florida right now. The question is, what can we expect going forward? I stepped out this morning. The winds are just, went right back in. NBC News' Bill Karens joining us now with the very latest on how hard certain areas got hit, Bill. Yeah, in
6: these stores, Brian, you know, there's always these overachieving and underachieving areas. And, you know, everyone has a perspective. It's very rare if they say you're going to get 12 inches and you get exactly 12 inches. And the area that has overachieved, the area that's waking up this morning and looking out the door and just going, oh, no. That's right around southern New York, Binghamton, New York. They've now reported almost three feet of snow with this storm. And it's not just one isolated area. It's kind of widespread through southern New York, about two to three feet. Uh, You notice some of the other totals there from 25 to 31 inches of snow. Now, the I-95 corridor, which, of course, is where a lot of people live and gets a lot of attention, we didn't think this would be a big deal in Washington, D.C. It wasn't in the metro. At National, they barely had a trace of snow. At Dulles, they had two inches. Philadelphia did get to 6 inches the yesterday afternoon. Central Park was 6 inches. New York City area is probably one of the most disappointing if you were hoping for big snow totals. I know the National Weather Service had us right around 14 inches in New York City. That's not going to happen. It'll probably end up somewhere around 7 or 8 in Central Park. The storm shifted a little farther to the north. So what are we left with now? We still have snow. It's still snowing very hard, still from Binghamton to the Albany area. But a lot of Pennsylvania is starting to clear out. But we still have 54 million people under those winter storm warnings. Areas of the blue is where it's snowing. Areas with the white is where it's snowing very hard. So that heavy snow band that was over Bampton that gave the three feet is now shifting towards the Albany area through southern Vermont and New Hampshire. Great for some of those ski areas like Stowe and Stratton there in southern Vermont. They're getting nailed. Same for the Berkshires, too. So additional snowfall, not a lot left. Southern New Hampshire could get around maybe another four to eight inches along with areas right around Portland, Maine. Boston, about three to six. But we're just about done in areas like New York City, uh, pretty good for the first storm and a lot of this should
1: stick around for uh christmas yeah is it, i was going to say is it going to be a white christmas simply because the temperatures aren't going to go up and and also bill go through that sort of uh file cabinet brain of yours i'm trying to remember when the last time that we had significant snow in the new york area was i mean i think we haven't had a snowstorm a real one here in in a couple years right it was,
6: uh, yeah, two years ago we had one that was around 7 to 8 inches. So uh, this one's going to be similar. But, yeah, last year we had one that was 4 inches in New York City, and that was it. So, yeah, you're right. It's been about two, three years in many areas of the northeast since we've seen what we're looking at this morning.
1: Bill Karen's looking at some of those snow totals. a snow day for many kids who are even learning remotely today, Bill. Thank you very much, buddy. Be well. All right, on deck. Yes, yes. It is your morning RBI. It's a small stat with a big return. Plus, our time has finally come. Worldwide Exchange is now a podcast. It's another way to get all that essential, actionable information that we bring you every morning. Bring in the heat on a cold day here on WEX, as we call it internally. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast app. And subscribe to Worldwide Exchange Who is that guy? We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. It's time now for your morning RBI. And today we are going to stay laser focused on your money and small caps because, as you know, we've been talking a lot about them on this show for months now. And the guests like Dan Grew and others who've been recommending them have been spot on and they've made you money if you listen to them. But here's what's random but interesting about the small cap run. You know they've done well, but maybe you don't know just how well they've done. Check this out from Incident. The Russell 2000 has outperformed the S&P 500 by 13% in the last month and a half. And if that sounds like a lot of outperformance, it is. In fact, it's the second best six-week margin of outperformance against the broader market since the Russell 2000 was created Back in 1972, if you're wondering, the best was a 21% margin back in the year March 2000. And while this kind of boom in the small caps hasn't happened that many times, Incident does note that in the rare times it has happened, small caps tend to keep doing well, even if they've pulled back a little in the near term. The bottom line of all this, the Davids of the market have trounced Goliath lately, and it's possible, possible they may keep doing it, random, but interesting. All right, let us stick now with the markets here. Jason Snipe, principal and chief investment officer at Odyssey Capital Advisors and a CNBC contributor joining us now. And Jason, I threw a lot of it's a lot. It's real early for those kind of stats and numbers. But have you been a believer or a buyer in this kind of record small cap
8: run that we have seen? So it's interesting. First of all, Sully, it's great to be with you. Um, We've we've seen a lot of optimism across across the spectrum in all sectors of the market, obviously. Um, a lot of optimism around, you know, the stimulus package coming into today and hopefully throughout before this weekend is up, you know, they'll likely get something done. So for us, yes, small caps has been a, a nice space to kind of allocate capital towards, you know, but we've really uh, levered towards industrial and materials and the healthcare space as well, you know, where we see kind of opportunity in the long end.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been this run. And, and, you know, when you look out, Bitcoin's up 1300 bucks right now, Jason. I mean, right now, Bitcoin is up $1,300 overnight. Small cap's up. Real estate's up. I mean, everything is up except for the, the Eagles record. I mean, I'm just wondering, where's all this money coming from?
8: Yeah. So, uh, you know, the other thing I will say is there's a lot of capital that's been on the sidelines. It's like my son mentions to me, fear of missing out FOMO. I just learned that the other day. But, yeah, there, there, there. Most There's a lot of optimism across the markets and all the sectors, you know, and again, I think, you know, this year has been a a year of multiple expansion. I think going into next year, it'll be more about, you know, the kind of the the growth story and and really looking at, you know, earnings, you know, and making sure that those earnings are supporting the expansion that we've seen over the last couple of quarters this year.
1: Yeah, it certainly has been. I mean, is there any part of the market that you would sell to raise money to buy stuff? That if there's anything, by the way, Jason, that may still be slightly undervalued.
8: Yes, yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, what we've really sold—we haven't sold a lot of equity because we've seen the breath. I mean, you've seen the RSP is up almost 10% in the last 60 days. You know, we've really sold some of the debt. You know, some of the fixed income that we've had, which is not a lot, um, and and transition that capital into the healthcare. You know, and, uh, you know, we've been levered heavily on the tech and discretionary side, but we have, you know, started to leverage to healthcare materials in the industrial space over the last, you know, several months just to kind of round us out from an allocation perspective.
1: How how much sort of, I don't know, COVID vaccine risk? I don't know what to call it, Jason. A lot of optimism. You can feel it. I felt it on the road the last few days. Vaccines are coming. You know, it's going to be a couple cold, be a tough couple months. But people can sort of see the beginning of the end. Is there too much optimism on that
8: priced in? So I, I believe, to a large degree, a lot of it is priced in. Um, but again, when I when I kind of look at going forward, you know, in the earnings story, looking at companies with solid multiples, you know, really looking at balance sheets again, you know, because this year a lot of those a lot of those metrics, you know, that we generally follow has been thrown out the window. So I I do think, you know, if you're kind of looking for the value play and looking at, looking at, you know, some of those metrics, I think we'll, we'll kind of see that's, that's where the growth will be, you know, going into 21.
1: Yeah. And there's a lot of expectation also, Jason, that Congress will get some kind of relief bill done. They're negotiating. Elon talked about it a few moments ago. They're getting close, but we assume, we assume it will get done. My dad used to tell me what assume means. It makes us something out of you and me. And what happens if Congress doesn't get it done? How much stimulus hope is in the market as well?
8: So that would be very challenging. You know, Main Street is struggling. I mean, that's the heartbeat of our economy and we, we need to get something done, right? Um, because the bifurcation between Main Street and Wall Street um, is growing every day. So we, we definitely need to see something happen, hopefully prior to the new year. Uh-huh. And I do think at some point it will impact the markets. Obviously, these small businesses don't show up in the major indices, um, but they will impact, you know, as, as we start to look at, you know, everyday folks um, struggling and, you know, that savings rate coming down. And, um, you know, that, that will have an impact long term. So we, we need to make sure that, you know, something gets done over the next couple of yeah,
1: weeks. He- a, 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 hu- a huge impact, and they need it. Before we go, let's switch gears completely very quickly. Are you a buyer? A Bitcoin, Jason? Bitcoin's up thirteen hundred dollars right now.
8: Yeah. So we 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 really like the fintech space. We've been major buyers of PayPal. I think PayPal just creating that platform for for folks to uh, transact in the Bitcoin space. I think has been huge. You know, so I, I do think there's opportunity there, and I think there's there's continued run and it will continue to grow over the next you know, several years and a couple quarters.
1: Jason Snipe, Obviously Capital Advisors. Jason, a pleasure to have you back on. Enjoy this beautiful winter weather that we've got. Merry Christmas, by the way, to you and yours. We'll see you again. Thank you very much. Same. All right. Well, before we go to Squawk Box, I want to have a final comment and a thank you. Of course, we've been out there on the road following the vaccines the last few days, and something hit me, and maybe it'll hit you too. And we've given huge and very well-deserved kudos and thanks to all the top scientists, medical professionals around the world at Pfizer, Moderna, and others who have busted their you-know-what to get these vaccines out in record time. But the one thing that we also need to do is what we tried to show you. Thank all the people who are actually getting them to you. And one of those is Ray of Morrison Dixon. We followed Ray down to Lake Charles from Shreveport. The back of his van filled with coolers, filled with the vaccines. Think about this. After the billions of development, months of hard work, complex logistical challenges to get the actual shot into the actual arms of frontline EMTs like Lance and Chuck and others that we met. It comes down to Ray and a Ford Econoline van. Amazing. Thanks, Ray. Well, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. I'll see you on Monday. Squawk Box is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live, weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC.
7: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles.